Oh, hi. How, how's, my, how's my breath? Oh, how stupid. Happy Thanksgiving if you gave thanks this week, last week. And if not, mood. But that depends on the degree of the Afrin over at Visionworks. <laughs> what, what other brands? I uh, did enjoy Thanksgiving and there was something magical about Thanksgiving when I was a kid that I want to return to because holidays seem to, they kind of lost their magic a little bit when I became an adult. I don't know why, and I've been trying to figure it out, but for for several years, several years. But also, in Brazil, Christmas is at a different season. It's in the summer, below the equator. So when it's 105 degrees and you're swimming in the pool on Christmas Day, it's hard to make that feel like Christmas Day. The other one thing that I was probably gonna say about my sharper image over at Sony... Sketch. So I guess really what I'm saying is I've been trying to figure out why the magic has been gone from holidays for so long. Was it just the naivete of being a kid or was it, is there a way to return to some of that magic in adulthood? I'm looking for ideas. One thing that I did do is I bought some Christmas lights and I put them in my living room. <laughs> it, I posted some images on my Instagram. I can maybe throw them here. A reminder to the editor. Christmas lights that kind of outline the door and the window and the TV and a dresser and stuff. It's funny. I'm probably going to get some more and just even do my bedroom. That's That was my original idea and then I didn't do that. But I will. I will. I'm totally gonna outline the crap out of my, like, backdrop here. I think that'd be so cool. That would look really cool. But I would love to reintroduce some of that, uh, whatever it was. You call it magic. It's not magic, but it's a holiday. You know, a holiday is supposed to feel a very certain way. And I guess I'm just uh, looking for that feeling. <laughs> Not only the event, but the time around it, making the holiday mine. Putting Christmas lights in my house. Not outside, but inside. To me, that's a difference and, and makes it a little, a little bit more personal to me. It looks like I have 19 minutes here on the card, so I'm going to try and, and tell you guys about my friend David Brown in 19 minutes. David Brown is somebody that I met in film school, going to film school. I was 19 and a half, and he was just turning 19. He's six and a half months younger than me, almost exactly. And I remember seeing him for the first time and not liking him. Because of his appearance, his hairdo, I thought it was from the 80s. Uh, I remember judging his appearance as if I should be anybody to judge an appearance. But I did. I did. So I, I've also talked about my tendency to do that. As well as my first time meeting David Brown, I've I've talked about that before. But I want to, I want to share some stories that that I remember about David Brown in college. These are just randomized stories that um, I will always cherish in getting to know this dude. 
coming up in March, it'll be almost four years that I have not seen him. So yeah, I really miss this guy. We were put into a team early on in director's class. Actually, it was film history. It was, it was film history. We had to make a silent movie, a silent film. I was appointed director at Randomized. I don't know why. David got appointed editor. This shoot, this set was a roller coaster. It was split into two days because the first day it rained on us and we had to do it again. I made David laugh really hard on this set, which felt really good. I was rude to him and then we talked it out later. And I'm, I'm, uh, there's no third one, but I'm gonna get into uh, those stories a little bit. I, I love making people laugh, and I remember, I remember, like individuals, I remember every time I've made them laugh. With exception, maybe I'll forget something, you know, smaller. But I mean, generally, I can remember when I've made somebody laugh. And what their laugh sounded like, what they looked like when they laughed, how I felt when, you know, whatever. So we're dealing with something like this on a film set. And uh, the this part slides down onto my hand <laughs> and makes me go. Ow! It was it was something like that. It was some shout yell like that. <coughs> so when the thing falls on my hand, that's not what makes everybody laugh. What made them laugh was I go, "Wow, that sounded just like Woody." <laughs> from Toy Story and two two people two men who then immediately became friends of mine B Pat and David Brown <laughs> I made them laugh so hard I was like we are now friends for life <laughs> because once it fell onto my hand and I shouted it didn't connect with everybody that it sounded just like Woody from Toy Story until I said it, <laughs> it was recognized by everybody. We're then shooting the very end of our movie. It's the last shot. Like, we're done. After this, after press record, and the red goes away, we're done. We do the shot, press record, we're done. David goes, hey, can we do it again? And, and I go, nope. <laughs> like that. And I cut him off. I go, nope. And he just goes... And I felt really bad. We ended that, cleaned up the equipment, and, and started walking back to the cars. And um, David piped up first, and he goes, Dude, I'm, I'm sorry if I over overstepped my bounds. You're director. And I was like, No, dude, I should have let you speak. You're the editor. And I wasn't like th even thinking about how you might need it to be a little bit shorter or longer for your editing, and I wasn't even thinking. And so then we, it was just he and I carrying a couple things back to the cars <laughs> while the rest of the crew just like trucks everything else. <laughs> it's probably true. And we had a conversation and the rest of the conversation, I don't remember how it went. <coughs> I need to show you guys something. And this is not a drill. The Shark Survival Kit. It looks like a first aid kit for a reason. There's instructions. To start us off, we have the Oopsie Poopsie Disposable Undies. For those times that you shark yourself in a really inconvenient spot. Well, there's only one place to shark yourself, but out in the, you get it. So the undies, one size fits all, I'm hoping. Next, we have our little shark wipes. For those times that you've made a mess more than 
your surroundings can handle. And then we have the brown town tissue pack to clean up from the wet wipes. It says, oops, I just cooked up a sloppy cobbler. And there are five easy steps that could potentially save you. Oh, I got it. From a very embarrassing situation. And then once you properly use the shark survival kit, you get a little... But if you're a chronic sharder like me, you will find this shark survival kit come in handy. There is a link in my bio with a coupon code Colin10. Use it to get 10% off your shark survival kit today. I will be using this every single day of my life. I'm gonna go use this right now. Because I just sharded! So, ultimately, I'm, I'm glad that it happened. And years later, I talked to David about it again, and he was like, dude, I don't remember that happening. He's like, I kind of remember the walk back. I do remember that conversation a little bit, but I really don't remember what you're talking about. I was like, I don't believe you. I was so rude. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. And I was like, well, I'm still sorry, regardless. After that, not too later, soon after? Recently after that, no. After that, uh, in class, he did a presentation on late night stand-up talk, what are they called? Talk show hosts? And I did a presentation alternatively on stand-up comedy and the history of it uh, over the decades. And he, he covered late night over late night over the decades. There is, since there is so much overlap between late night comedy or late night and, and stand-up comedy. There was an, an immediate fusion of, like, now we've laughed together, we've, we've like, r reconciled, and then we just found out that we have a very similar interest because I feel like my knowledge of late-night comedy in ABC, CBS, NBC, TBF, I mean, all those, all those... I, David totally knows I do not. I am a lot more familiar with the history of stand-up comedy than David is. So I feel like our interest in one another's thing equaled. And then our knowledge individually also equaled about that one thing. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense in my mind. So the next round of movies that we are cast in, David Brown and I are paired with another friend, and we're all three sitting at a table in this short film. And mind you, we made so many short films. I mean, from 30 seconds to two and a half minutes. We made those constantly while working on bigger projects and then preparing for even bigger projects. But the practice that we were getting doing these smaller projects so consistently really allowed the bigger ones to um, go smoother. Smoother than they would have without the practice. So this was just one of the kind of throwaway practice short films that we were making. And we decided on the spot that all of my lines I would say in Portuguese. My second language. I grew up in Brazil. Brazil. Eu consigo falar português de um jeito que tu nem vai entender o que eu tô falando, tá? I speak Portuguese and I speak it pretty stinking well. But making this movie, we would meet eyes and break character every time we went to speak to one another. He would say something to me and I would go to deliver my line in Portuguese. And we just found the concept so funny that... 
three of them, uh, well, uh, two of them are speaking English the whole time. And understanding me as if I'm speaking <laughs> the same language. And I think that, that that concept was so funny that we just couldn't get through it. We could not get through it until, <laughs> until the joke was kind of over and ruined. And I feel like we didn't capture it right in, in the movie. Had we captured some of those earlier, had we gotten through it, it would have been so funny. So that obviously that was very bonding too to have that experience of of filming because that was our second or third short film of the day. We just like combined them. <coughs> we got together as a group and and stop in one location and just made a couple different short films that were all assignments. It was like director's class and we all have to direct one film. So it's just like and part of the assignment was there was one script with the same dialogue. We each have the same script, same dialogue. We just have to turn it into our interpretation of it. And I, I like that. The film we were trying to make where we were laughing was not at all a comedy. It was a drama and we were trying to be like all serious. and Which might have been information that could have been useful towards the beginning of the story. Dude, I, I bought a Suburban one time. And it was big and spacious and I, it lasted three months because I didn't look further into it and then it just crapped out on me. So that was frustrating, but it did give me a really funny story. We just got done shooting a movie that I had just directed. It's a music video and I believe it is on my page actually, one of my earlier videos. I, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I'm trucking like five of us plus a ton of equipment. David Brown hops into the back of my, not the backpack, but the middle seat back area. He hops in and I hear, ah! <laughs> and I look back and he is writhing in pain. And he goes right up the ass. <laughs> Dude, I could not drive. I was rocking back and forth in my seat, laughing hysterically at his pain because he had just landed on the seat belt connector that sticks up out the seat. <laughs> okay, so this one is funny. Um... <laughs> Again, we're on a film set. We were doing that a lot. Now, there's this thing called room tone. And what what the producers and directors want you to do, everybody, everybody, they, they get everybody in the set. I don't know why they do this part. But the intention is to get this, total silence, like this. Everybody stands here for minutes. And you, like, don't... You have to take a breath, like, like super slowly, and I legitimately don't understand why the editors don't just get room tone some other time on their own without needing people to, to stand there still for minutes. And what makes it worse is that people start to giggle and laugh and make each other laugh with like faces and giggle and make other people upset because now we're like, dude, now we have to start over and get room tone again. It's minimum of 30 seconds. It's minimum 30 seconds. If you can get more, great for them. 
but all of us have to stand there in total silence. And I'm like, why are you doing this? So whatever sounds are going on in like road noise, wind jingling things, it's not meant for dialogue. It's just meant for environmental sound to layer, you know, and blend everything together. <clears throat> so it is important. It is really important to get, but I, I don't understand. I don't agree with the methodology of their doing it. So we're getting room tone. Somebody messed us up. We have to start over. In between takes of getting room tone, I say to David Brown, I go, it's, it, it's strange seeing so many people in a room, 45 people in a room being so silent together. And I go, can you imagine, take room tone out of the equation and just put 45 people in a room standing like this. <laughs> like, not interacting. There's not, they're not getting room tone. It's just like people standing in a room silently. I, like, under what circumstances would that ever happen? <laughs> and so David, <laughs> he finds the concept, again, it's concepts with Ian and I. He finds it so funny, he has to cover his mouth because he's giggling. And they're going, okay, we're doing room tone again. And he goes against the wall. And I just see him, I just see him bouncing <laughs> like that. Just like, <laughs> trying to keep it so, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> David was just somebody who intellectually and comedically combined. We were just on the same wavelengths. I, I don't know if I've ever met somebody Yes, I have. Conrado, my, my best friend in Brazil, he and I were on the very similar wavelength when it comes to social comedy, being funny with friends. But with David Brown, it was more about funny concepts and human psychology and messing with it and like public pranks. That's just a fraction of what I mean, but... But I loved being able to joke with David Brown about some of these concepts. I also, like, I worked uh, construction for a little bit after uh, film school. And so I had just gotten done with a long day on a, on a crew that, um, not a film set this time, on a construction site. There's a different, there's a difference. You know that, we're, we're, same way of life. I get to David Brown's house. My shoes are all nasty and muddy because I've been, it's all been rained and Michigan weathered. So I do the obvious polite thing. I'm not going to track all this mud and snow through there, you know. And I take off my work boots, put them aside, but my feet stink so bad. And I go down into the basement and I talk with David for a couple hours. And I know during that conversation that my feet stink so bad. And poor David is, you know, trying, you know, trying not to uh, show that I have uh, just bombed their basement with my stench. That is actually something that went unsaid between David and I, as did many things. And it's interesting to where things go completely unsaid. I hate it, actually. I, I do. I, I think I hate it more than if somebody just called it out right there in the moment. 
If he had said, dude, put your shoes on. <laughs> bro, bro, put your shoes on. Put your boots on now. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to track them. He's like, my, I will stick tweezers up my nose to, I don't know why I picked tweezers. And I'd be like, what? That went off the rails quick. But I'm, I think I'm actually going to turn that shoes off story into a stand-up bit and, and get the audience approval. Like, raise your hands. Which would you prefer? <laughs> the mud tracked into your home or the unfortunate smell? I, I thank David Brown's family so much for being gentle with me. And not saying anything when they, you know, totally could have. But at the same time, they could have. And I would have understood. I wouldn't have been offended. I would have been like, yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better, actually. That is all the stories that I wrote about David Brown and I. And I just kind of figured the rest I would improvise. I, I don't, um... Oh, wow. David and I sang an entire medley of like 12 to 15 different songs, each about one of our teachers or members of staff of our school, and we were roasting them with a popular song at the time. So this would have been 2015. There's, I think it's on my YouTube page, and you can watch it if you wanna. Or, or maybe it's 15 minutes long, and it was 12 songs, something like that. But we put it together, it's, it's like a parody, like a Weird Al parody of each song and parody of each teacher. You're not going to get a lot of the jokes that we do make because it's they're all inside jokes about the teachers. But if you want to watch a performance that I'm kind of okay with, I cringe at some of my what I do in this video. It's too, a little too attention-seeking for my age. <laughs> I had just turned 20, so forgive me for what you see. <laughs> Oh, I just found out that my microphone has not been working this whole time. <laughs> David is such an unbelievably skilled p pianist. Pianist? Depending on where you're from. The dude's voice always surprised me when I saw him sing. I saw him sing live multiple times in his band, his musical. I sang with him. And I saw solos. His voice always always surprised me. I would go, oh my gosh, that's right. That's what that's what it sounds like. And I, I loved that I, I didn't hear him sing anywhere else. It wasn't, you know, like accessible because this dude does not have social media. He is so off the radar. I am far from that. I am very much on the radar on multiple accounts in, in a couple different languages. So seeing him sing live was always a really cool treat. Out of the five acting classes that I took in school, David was only in one of them with me, unfortunately. And I fought the school on that. And I, I fought back on that towards the teacher, you know, maybe uh, the president who made the decision to put him in a more amateur acting class. And I was like, why are you putting him in the beginners? Put him up here with us. Let him take improv with us. And they just said no. It was, it was, uh, I don't know. It, it killed some of my motivation to even do the classes. Uh, because I know that it would have really benefited from David Brown being in more acting classes with me. The dude is such a skilled actor too. 
I think that he is more prone to stage acting, and I'm a little bit more comfortable with on-camera acting. But there is overlap there, too. I saw David do really good stuff on screen, and I've done a lot of stuff on, on stage. And, and I feel uh, resentful of the fact that, that at, at that point, when I was entering into the bachelor's program where the acting classes were, which is why I also stayed, after I finished my associates and, and did the bachelor's, I went for the acting program. And it turned out to be a total sham, at least the acting class part. And the friends that I had in the associates program, I thought that that was going to continue into the bachelors, but everybody disbanded. It, it was now this, and, and I felt like, oh my word, this is not what I expected at all. And I thought, oh, dude, I've made really good friends with David. If I could just have this dude in an acting class, more than just one, which was my, like, my last one, that, that would have been some sort of a saving grace, I think. And it's so unfortunate that it didn't happen. I really wanted to collaborate with David Brown on, on many different projects. Because I, I saw how well that first one had gone at the talent show with the songs, the medley about the professors. That went so well and felt so good to be in, in music and comedic harmony with another skilled person and, and very knowledgeable person. And there's even evidence of that, even moving back from Michigan to Oregon, which I did. I started a podcast with David Brown where we were writing a movie. The episodes are still posted. Colin and David write a movie. That's that's what it's called. And and after that talent show, unfortunately, all of the rest of the attempts at collaborating have fallen through. And I'm not sure why each attempt had its own circumstances. But it's been four years since I have not seen him. And I knew him for five. So things do fade. And this year, I have hardly spoken to him. And that's, that's the first time since getting to know him that that's happened. Usually it's been a lot more frequent uh, back and forth between texting and frequent phone calls. He and I would have, have very long phone calls or we did FaceTime for a long time throughout the pandemic. And I don't know what this year has been like for him. But I know that I love David Brown and I wish him the best in his creative and his, and his personal endeavors. So that is my episode for today. I wanted to make it about relatively one topic with a little intro there. And, and now a little outro here. Yeah. Thank you guys, as always, for being here. If you listen to these, it is very much appreciated. I just bit the crap out of my tongue. My cheek, actually. I said tongue, but it was cheek. Anyways, you care. Bye. All right, bye. Bye, guys.